Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. I don't care what Don Jr. did, Gavin. You don't get to claim attorney-client privilege if I ask you if you flushed when you left the bathroom. Ass. The following podcast contains... I love it when you talk dirty. She talk dirty to you? Oh, she loved the dirty talk. I love it when you talk dirty. Get your mad ass in this pool. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you're told your kid he could be president someday and he still can't tie his shoes at 23, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe and this is a Friday, December 8th, 2017 meandering towards mediocrity edition of the show where we sing the praises of mediocrity. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Average Joes. We muddle through. Average Joes is not the best company at our job, but we're not the worst either. We don't cost the most for the work we do, but we aren't the cheapest. You could find someone better to do our job, sure, but you could do a whole lot worse. At Average Joe, we like to say, we're all right, we're not great, we're all right. So when you need someone to do the thing you need done, why not shoot for the middle and choose Average Joe? Use the promo code, meh, at checkout, and save a little less than some places, but a little more than others. Average Joes, whatever it is we do, we do it so-so. I generally come in at least 15 minutes late. Uh, I use the side door, that way Lumberg can't see me. <laughs> and uh, after that, I just sort of space out for about an hour. Tell but, uh, space out? Yeah, I just stare at my desk. But it looks like I'm working. I do that for uh, probably another hour after lunch, too. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work. Uh, Peter, would you be a good sport and indulge us and just tell us a little more? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something about TPS reports. Uh. This is going to sound like I'm slamming my mom, but actually I'm doing the opposite. Ready? Here we go. My mom never once told me I could be anything I put my mind to. She never told me I could be president. She was brutally honest about my chances of ever being a rock and roll god. Yes, not very good. <laughs> and she was pretty blunt about my chances of either my sister or I going straight to college out of high school. You two smoke entirely too much reefer. My mother, whatever her flaws, was never one to shoot sunshine up her kid's ass. She always kept it real. And if this sounds harsh, well, that's because she had to be. Looking back over my childhood and indeed looking back over my life, it's pretty clear I was not, nor am I now, presidential material. I mean, just by the sheer number of sexually women I've sexually assaulted, I'm not even in the ballpark because it's like zero. As for my chances of ever being a rock and roll god... You really suck, you know that? And <laughs> as for college... Oh, I needed a decade in the military just to clear the weed haze from my brain. My mother wasn't being cruel. She just really understood me. 
It would have been more cruel to tell me I could do these things and then watch me fail for being an untalented, unambitious pothead, which is what I am today, except, you know, I traded weed for booze because it's a lot less work to get liquor at the liquor store than find a guy to sell you weed. Now, a lot of people would say that a parent should inspire their child, challenge them to be the best person they can be. That's why people do shit like slap earbuds in their belly button and blast Bach to their baby when it's still a blast assist. Oh, gifted. Gifted my ass! I mean, they've got these little shits enrolled in fucking baby Harvard when they're still filling their diapers daily. So today's parents are deciding to make their child bright, creative, capable, and high-earning because they need them to be. They want them to be that rather than a lazy, apathetic proto-stoner, which is probably what they actually are. But hey, you know, I'm not a parent. You do whatever it is you think you need to do. Maybe you're super worried about the kind of retirement home your kids will slap you in when your brain drops out your asshole and you turn into the drooling dipshit in need of a diaper change daily. That's the upside of having pragmatic parents is they already understand that there's no way I'm ever going to be able to afford to put them in the good home. And there's no way in hell they're going to stay with me because I live behind a bar that I sleep on a cot when I pass out. Because we have a plan. And that plan is... Died the way he lived. Like a goddamn psychopath. I guess what sent me down this particular rabbit hole this week was listening to Bob Garfield talk to Mike Pesca on the gist last Thursday. And I think we're inculcated from birth that our identity is rooted in some sort of self-improvement. And, and if you used to earn 45... This is a line from the show. If you used to earn... 45 bucks an hour down at the auto parts plant and now you're making 12 bucks driving the airport shuttle what does that make you yeah the the answer is a failure so you better figure out explain to yourself how how that doesn't make you a failure and and uh, thus do we find the underpinnings of of trumpism because i think in a lot of cases these motherfuckers were shooting way too high to begin with i mean come on that 40 bucks an hour at the auto parts plant probably was a little challenging even then. And nor do I actually think that Bob and Mike were advocating that, you know, you should settle for mediocrity. But I was wondering if maybe they should be. Because let's face it, we can't all be winners, and we're not all pathetic losers. Not even you, Gavin. God knows you try. Look, since this is a navel-gazing show, I'm just going to wander down the self-involved navel-gazing path. When I was a kid... I wasn't special. <laughs> That's crazy talk. No, really. I wasn't particularly good at anything. I didn't have the thing that set me apart from the rest of the kids. I was just your average chudgy ginger-haired nerd amongst a great crowd of chubby nerds. There wasn't a school subject I was better at than all the others, and even the subject that I was particularly bad at was the one that everyone was bad at. Math. On the flip side, I wasn't spectacularly bad at anything either. I had friends, I made decent grades, I was generally happy, I wasn't the stinky kid who ate his own boogers in the corner alone during lunch, I was just blissfully average. In high school, I found that I was a pretty decent writer and a photographer, and that brought me some small measure of celebrity, because after all, the cheerleaders wanted their photos in the yearbook a lot, and if you were the guy with the camera, they wanted to hang out with you. When I joined the Air Force, I wasn't the best troop in basic training, I was actually one of the worst ones. My nickname there was Gomer Pyle because Full Metal Jacket came out the year before, which in retrospect was probably not the best thing to label a guy with, but, uh, you know, my instructors were probably pretty cocky because we didn't have guns in Air Force Basic. 
After BMT, I got better. I was a good in the police academy. I was great at dog school. I was a pretty damn good cop for many years before the burnout and the fuck off itis got me in the last few. All in all, my military years averaged out. Just last week, I was given my review at my job. The, 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 the paying one, because the f- closest thing Fast Eddie does to feedback is forgetting to lock the door on his office so he can't pretend to be not there. No, don't know. My boss brought me in and started telling me all the shit they say when they give you a review, and they then they ask if I had anything to say. I said, "Nope, I'm I'm average, and that's exactly where I want to be." And they looked all stunned. It's like they didn't expect to hear that, but they should have been. What do you think? I harbor some illusions, or really want to climb the corporate ladder to be a higher level secretary? Shit, no. I'm biding my time until someone dies and leaves me enough money to buy the bar I'm going to die behind. Don't thank me. Thank your mother. I don't give a shit about this job beyond the check that reaches my bank account every week. I show up. I do the exact amount of work to stay perfectly average and spend the rest of my time writing scripts for low-rated podcasts, which on a good day turn out about average. Look, I may not be good in math, but Dungeons & Dragons taught me the law of averages and the good old bell curve. It also taught me that your character could have a bunch of 18s in their stats if you were good friends with a bad dungeon master. But that's a different show. For the sake of those bad at math like I was, 20% of the bell curve is at the bottom, 20% at the top, and 60% is in the middle, and that's where averages lie. 60% of all people are in the middle. But so few of us are actually happy about it. From an article by some guy named Mark Manson, who I don't know, just wrote the article that I'm quoting and found after a Google search, quote, we can then say that it's a complete statistical improbability that any single person could be an extraordinary performer in all areas of life, or even many areas of their life. Bruce Wayne doesn't exist, it just doesn't happen. Brilliant businessmen are often fuck-ups in their personal lives. Extraordinary athletes are often shallow and dumb as a lobotomized rock. Most celebrities are probably just as clueless about life as the people who gawk at them and follow their every move. We're all, for the most part, pretty average people. It's the extremes that get all the publicity. We all kind of intuitively know this, but we rarely think and or talk about it. The vast majority of us will never be truly exceptional at, well, anything, unquote. And then Manson starts to get good. It's an accepted part of our culture today to believe that we're all destined to do something truly extraordinary. Celebrities say it. Business tycoons say it. Politicians say say it. Even Oprah says it. Each and every one of us can be extraordinary. We all deserve greatness. The fact that this statement is inherently contradictory, after all, if everyone wasn't extraordinary, then by definition, no one would be extraordinary, is missed by most people, and instead, we eat the message up and ask for more. I like this Mark Manson guy. He's definitely on the high side of average writing this article. I mean, Americans are fed this bullshit about being the best individually and as a nation. Let's take on this macro situation before I get down into the micro of the individual. This myth of American exceptionalism. Shining city upon a hill. Oh, what a crock of shit. You know the first fucking thing I learned when I traveled the world? Well, actually, the first thing I learned is that shouting in English does not mean that people who don't speak English will understand you. But the second thing I learned is that America, it ain't all that special. Who the fuck do you think you are? A guy that's seen the Giza Plateau. I mean, what the fuck does America have to compare with the Giza Plateau? 
Perhaps you don't want to see the second largest ball of twine on the face of the earth. I don't, because I've seen the biggest ball of twine on the face of the earth in Romania. And look, I'm not saying America doesn't have some cool shit, but it also has, for example, the 405 freeway, which is really offsetting some cool things like, I don't know, the Grand Canyon. The sheer level of tacky in Graceland alone takes away the net effect of at least three national parks. And when you factor in every trailer park and strip mall between the Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean... We are lucky if we peg mediocre on the scale. And I mean really lucky. Politics? Do you really want to go there? Okay, fine, the Declaration of Independence, that was good. But then you set that against the three-fifths clause and bam, you're averaged out. The people? Really? Sorry, folks, we're, we're kind of running a negative when it comes to the people. And I'm not talking about just the regular people like you and me. I'm talking our celebrity culture. They actually put us in a hole we can't dig ourselves out of no matter how many poets, musicians, artists we pump out for the next 50 years. I mean, you can't even cancel one Kardashian out. My suspicion is she was born Kardashian. So tell me again what makes America exceptional. You get a load of this chili cheese fountain? Okay, you got me there. This idea that America is super special has just caused all kinds of trouble. I mean, okay, yeah, we went to the moon a couple of times because JFK was trying to impress some chick he wanted to doink. Era, I will send a man to the moon if you'll just let me see those titties. That's not exceptional. I said the same thing to a woman in a bar once and I saw the stars. That's because she hit me so fucking hard that I passed out. And that's not even close to going to the moon, but it's kind of in the neighborhood. Wars, invasions, colonialism, slavery, oppression, exploitation. Is that what makes us special? I got some bad news for you, sunshine. Compared to our English predecessors, we ain't a fart lit by a match. They were the starting pitchers. We were the, just the relievers, and we do a shitty shot job at that. When it comes to evil, we're just average. Sorry, America. I mean, I'm not sure it's a great idea for nations to think they're special because nothing good ever comes of thinking like that. Once a country gets that crazy idea in its head, then their neighbors should start being very nervous. And that brings us to our way back. Our way back this week finds us in the Hall of Mirrors, the Palace of Versailles, outside of Paris, France, January 18, 1871. The sundry, great, and powerful nations of Europe gathered to watch the combination of many small nations into one nation, the humbling of a great power, and the creation of a new great power, which they would all come to regret. For centuries, the Holy Roman Empire of German nations, which was neither holy nor Roman, Fuck, that's an old joke. You know the rest of it. And it had, and had, which had officially dissolved in 1806, was being replaced by a group of small nation states dominated by Prussia, that dour, militaristic, Teutonic badass that had rose, risen to real power after the Napoleonic Wars. Prussia hammered them together in a coalition of German-speaking states and kicked the shit out of France during the Franco-Prussian War in 1870. And now they were gathered to witness France's humiliation and to crown the emperor of a new Germany, Kaiser Wilhelm I. The Germans had always been a powerfully pugnacious people since they'd bloodied Rome's nose back in the days before we counted days. And they'd always assumed they were destined for the kind of greatness they saw in the other great powers surrounding them, England, France, and Russia. But this 
always seemed to elude the German people, probably because they were so powerfully pugnacious that they could, they couldn't find someone else to fight, they would happily fight amongst themselves. This is your doing, Willie. I'll turn your groin to pudding. Oh, you speak like a put, but you punch like one teeth. Sorry, Gavin is telling me in my headset that that is groundskeeper Willie from The Simpson and not Kaiser Wilhelm I. My apologies. The Germans also felt their ambitions were stifled, their greatness denied by the other great powers who would play one faction of Germans off against the other so that no one faction would grow strong and unify the German people. That was also... It is 100% true. The Germans felt in their bones they were destined for greatness. They were owed a seat at the table of great powers, and they were sullen that their path to glory was systemically denied for centuries. After all, here was this race of people, orderly, scientific, disciplined, and deeply committed to the idea of German exceptionalism, and just a scant half-century later, they would prove to the world what a German nation could do if it really set its mind to us and wanted to be exceptional. Cool. I don't care about the Great War. What? That demonstration of German above averageness would cost the world 40 million dead and wounded. And yet the Germans were still so convinced they were special, they did it again just a few years later to the tune of another 50 to 80 million dead or wounded and having Germany bomb back into rubble. Plus, you know, that whole master race thing really did not turn out well for anyone. This seemed to give the Germans the idea that maybe they could settle for a little less than being best. Or at least, you know, for the moment anyway, because I'm not so sure. I've seen a gleam in Angela Merkel's eyes. And when it comes to individual people, the effects can be just as bad. It's just on a smaller scale. I mean, we all know the guy who thinks he's special, but it's really just fucking mundane and can't accept it. Maybe he's the son of a rich guy. Not real bright, but full of determination to prove he's just as good as his dad. So he'll do anything to show people, particularly himself and his dad, that he's special. Being a schlub, you know, he screws it up. Maybe he goes bankrupt a bunch of times, has a lot of failed marriages, screws over a bunch of people in order to prove that he's smarter than they are. But really, he just has money so he can buy his way out of trouble. Eventually, this guy, through a combination of luck, lack of scruple, and a few people who are actually talented helping him out along the way, but for their own nefarious reason, finally lands a spot where everyone has to acknowledge he's just really the best. I mean, he's the greatest big league. And because he's not so great, he fucks up something that can't be fixed, like, I don't know, a country or something. Yeah, I think we all know that guy. Look, I'm not saying don't try to be great, and really everyone has one thing they're good at, the one thing that they're better than other people. That thing may not be markable. I mean, what if the thing you were good at is making dick jokes on a podcast in a market saturated by other people making dick jokes on podcasts? No matter how good your dick jokes are, they're just going to go limp in a sea of dick jokes. But still, you do it every week. You keep plugging along because you never know when that one dick joke will hit in the right ears and you will go from being a low-rated podcast host on a shitty podcast network ran by a guy in Queens with an office behind his used car lot to sit in across the booth in WBEZ Chicago telling a dick joke to Ira Glass. But really, the chances of that are pretty slim, and you shouldn't hang everything on that happening. And I kind of hear Ira's a dick himself, so he probably wouldn't even laugh at your perfectly crafted dick joke. 
Because when people tell themselves they are better than other people, when they say they're special, when they feel entitled to something because they think they're special, that's just a recipe for disaster. I mean, these dim fucks on the internet making hate memes and threatening to rape women they've never met were told they were special, told they were destined for big things, and then when they found out that they were entirely mediocre, entirely average, just another schlub in a world of slubs, they got resentful, and look at all the trouble that caused. So I say be like me, whose mom told him a long time ago. Second premise, not all children are smart and clever. Got that? Kids are like any other group of people, a few winners, a whole lot of losers. No, that wasn't my mom, that was George Carlin. No, what my mom told me a long time ago is, honey, you can do anything if you're willing to work really long and really hard at it. But dear, you're very lazy, so maybe you shouldn't get your hopes up. And goddamn, she was right. <laughs> that is it for our show this week. Nothing special about this episode. Not out of the other 138 other ones that came before this. Not the best one we did. Not the worst. I can live with that. Because honestly, I, I know the worst ones we did. They're really bad. And yet, for some reason, our best shows are not really that good. Funny how that works. I don't, I don't know. If you would like to help others find this sort of decent show, rate and review this show on iTunes. Even though it's a 2.5 star show, we need a 5 because great inflation is the new normal. I mean, did you really think that you had a 4.0 in college? I don't think so. That fake 5 star review helps normal shows like this, perfectly ordinary one, climb up in the rankings so that like people will be entertained by our averageness. Follow the show on Twitter where my mundane tweets will sometimes entertain, sometimes not, at the hell underscore podcast or the show name on Facebook. All of these, eh, they're good enough podcasts. Are the show name on SoundCloud and at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, the slightly above average, I think Dave Bledsoe, producer Bell Curve Gavin, and all the other fictional mundanes on the show, we want to say that ordinary boys know nothing and they're happy just being themselves. And we'll see you all next week. God, I'm sorry I'm sick this week. I, I can't do the good basing. Everything sounds like raspy and nasty.
so lucky, so lucky, so lucky, so Seltzer Kings Podcasts.